Can Guatemalans save their democracy? Graciela Machkovsky. Guatemala's president-elect Bernardo Arevalo, who won a landslide victory in August, is scheduled to take office on January 14, but nobody is certain that he will. Not Arevalo, who has repeatedly denounced an ongoing coup d'état attempt orchestrated by the country's entrenched political system, which has been mired in corruption for decades, including under the current president, Alejandro Giamatti. Not the Biden administration, the European Union, the Organization of American States, or the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, all of whom are backing Arevalo's claim to office. And not the huge crowds of peaceful protesters who have taken to the streets during the past two months to demand that the election results be respected. As autocrats are being voted into office across the region and the world, Guatemala, a country with a long history of dictatorships and corrupt governments, is fighting to ensure a victory for democracy. In an unprecedented step, the protests are being led by indigenous communities who lost more than 100,000 people in a three-decade-long genocidal war from 1960 to 1996 and who remain, still today, deeply marginalized. Arevalo is a 65-year-old center-left sociologist and former diplomat who, before the elections, was best known in Guatemala as the son of Juan José Arevalo, the country's first democratically elected president. Bernardo Arevalo Samila, Seed, party ran on an anti-corruption campaign and has been fighting against the efforts of a special interest network that includes politicians, businessmen, and people involved in organized crime widely known as El Pacto de Corruptos, the Pact of the Corrupt. The pact has attempted to use the judicial system, especially the electoral tribunal, the highest authority in electoral matters, to invalidate the election results, and the Congress to refuse to recognize the legitimacy of the 23 Samilla legislators who won the election and, if seated, would constitute the third-largest congressional bloc. At midnight, on November 30, the pact lifted the immunity of the four of the five judges on the electoral tribunal who refused to overturn the election, three of them immediately fled the country. A week later, the special prosecutor Rafael Karuchish, who last year was named on the U.S. State Department's list of corrupt and undemocratic actors, requested in a press conference that the results of the runoff be annulled. Sign up for the daily newsletter. Our flagship newsletter highlights the best of The New Yorker, including top stories, fiction, humor, and podcasts. Email address. By signing up, you agree to our user agreement and privacy policy and cookie statement. This site is protected by reCAPTCHA and the Google privacy policy and terms of service apply. Even the most optimistic are losing hope. Claudia Mendez Ariaza, a respected journalist who is still working in the country, despite a crackdown on the independent press, told me on the phone from Guatemala City. Juan Francisco Sandoval, a lawyer now living in exile in Washington, D.C., but who previously headed the Special Prosecutor's Office Against Impunity, which was tasked with dismantling the corrupt networks, in collaboration with the Independent International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala, CISIG, told me, we are at an inflection point. The likely next step, he added, is to call a new election in which independent parties will be excluded. In early December, the Biden administration, in its latest effort to prevent that, sent Jose W. Fernandez, the Undersecretary for Economic Growth, Energy, and the Environment, as an envoy to Guatemala to signal its support for a democratic transition of power. 
Two days earlier, the U.S. Department of the Treasury had sanctioned Luis Miguel Martinez Morales, who has no official position in the government but whom the department described in a statement as one of the most influential individuals in the Giamate administration. The statement notes that Guatemalan prosecutors had investigated him for his role in a controversial payment tied to the purchase of 16 million doses of Russian Sputnik V COVID-19 vaccines. Martinez Morales said the U.S. government was being manipulated by bitter leftists and was displaying an attitude of revenge. In the past, of course, the United States played a decisive role in Guatemalan history. In 1954, it spearheaded the ouster of the democratically elected President Jacobo Arbenz, Juan José Arvalo's successor, in the name of fighting communism. A succession of U.S.-backed military regimes ensued. The U.S. eventually moved on, but the local forces it allied with did not. After 36 years of conflicts with leftist guerrillas that included a genocidal counterinsurgency campaign against the Maya population, the security apparatus directed by the military morphed into a series of criminal networks that infiltrated state institutions, including the judiciary, and worked to preserve the status quo that benefited the country's elites. According to a report posted earlier this year on the Social Science Research Network, those elites are still among the most rapacious in Latin America and the Caribbean. Guatemala currently ranks 150th out of 180 countries in Transparency International's Corruption Perceptions Index. In 2007, following years of demands from civic organizations, Guatemala signed an agreement with the United Nations to create the CISIG, which helped local prosecutors conduct hundreds of investigations. One led to the resignation of President Otto Perez Molina, a retired military officer and hardline conservative, in 2015. Two years later, President Jimmy Morales tried to get rid of the CISIG. After a legal strategy failed, Congress passed reforms to ease certain criminal sentences and to weaken campaign finance rules. Mass protests forced the reversal of those reforms, but this episode gave El Pacto de Corruptos its name. Video from The New Yorker Carpenter, a landmine survivor's resilience https slash slash www.newyorkar.com slash video slash watch slash the New Yorker documentary Carpenter Landmine Survivors Resilience hashtag in sedequals underscore CNE interlude New Yorker underscore EBFABBADIA underscore text VC. Morales finally managed to expel the CISIG in 2019, and, the next year, the administration of the newly installed Giamate began to openly persecute independent journalists, judges, and prosecutors, who were forced to choose between exile and prison. One of the last vestiges of democracy was the national elections. Giamate could not seek re-election because presidents serve a single four-year term, but the electoral tribunal disqualified three candidates who were deemed a threat to the status quo. The next president appeared likely to be either Zuri Rios, the daughter of the late dictator Efren Rios Montt, who was convicted of genocide, in 2013, or Sandra Torres, a former first lady who was cleared of criminal charges involving the violation of campaign finance laws just in time to launch her campaign. A few other candidates, including Aravalo, were allowed to run just to offer the appearance of legitimacy, Sandoval, the lawyer, said. 60% of registered voters went to the polls for the first round of the elections on June 25. The winners, with 24%, were blank and invalid ballots. Sandra Torres came in second, with almost 16%.
To everyone's surprise, Arevalo came in third, with almost 12% of the vote, and advanced to the runoff. The system swung into full motion to prevent the possibility of an Arevalo victory. On July 1, the Constitutional Court requested a recount, something that is very rare in Guatemala. On July 12, the government-run Special Prosecutor's Office Against Impunity FISAI, ordered the suspension of Samila, alleging irregularities in the gathering of signatures required to be registered as a political party, a charge that Samila denied. On July 13, the Constitutional Court ruled that Arevalo could remain on the ballot. Karuchish, the special prosecutor, then ordered raids on both the Electoral Tribunal's office and Samila's headquarters. He also threatened to investigate members of the party. On August 20, Arevalo won the runoff with 58% of the vote. Sandra Torres claimed fraud, but eight days later the judges on the Electoral Tribunal voted to confirm Arevalo's victory. However, given the suspension order against Samila, Congress refused to recognize the legitimacy of the party's elected legislators, and still has not done so. On September 12, the public ministry, overseen by the Attorney General, Maria Consuelo Porras, who also appeared on the State Department's list of corrupt and undemocratic actors two years ago, seized ballots from a facility where they were stored, on the ground of possible fraud. The Electoral Tribunal deemed the action illegal. The tension between the tribunal and the attorney general escalated again on November 30, when the four judges' immunity was revoked. On November 16, Porras had requested that Arevalo's immunity also be lifted, after claiming that he had participated in a student occupation of the public university to protest an alleged fraud in the election of the school's rector. Arevalo called the accusation spurious and unacceptable. Porras, a veteran bureaucrat of the Guatemalan court system, had gone mostly unnoticed until, two years into her appointment as Attorney General, Giamate came to power. Since then, she has become, in Sandoval's words, Giamate's enforcer. Edgar Gutierrez, a former foreign minister and a frequent contributor to the Spanish newspaper El Pais, wrote, she has viciously persecuted independent justice figures and dissidents, stating that she is saving Guatemala from communism. Porras's resignation is a central demand of the protests led by the indigenous communities. They have built more than a hundred roadblocks and set up an encampment in front of Porras's office, where they held fire ceremonies and chanted. Informed and active participation is essential, only our united and firm voice can shape our future, the protest leaders said, in a statement. Can Guatemalans save their democracy? On December 1, Arevalo released a short video on X in which he said that the people are defending and protecting democracy and that, no matter how much they try, the corrupt will lose again. But Sandoval thinks that it will take the efforts of Arevalo, his party, the protesters, the U.S., and the rest of the international community, including Latin American governments, to get the new administration inaugurated on January 14. The next weeks will show if those actors are more powerful than an ingrained elite willing to go to any lengths to guarantee its survival. Diamond Suit